Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis, and this is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. Today, I talked to Nick Rhodes. That's right, the founder and keyboardist for Duran Duran. Their 15th studio album, 15th studio album dropped recently. It's called Future Past, which is a great name for the band's iconic sound. They've been through a lot. And since this album drops 40 years after their debut, Nick and I talk about some of their greatest hits and the secret to making it work four decades later. Here we go with Nick Rhodes. Hey, Nick, I'm going to look like a rock star again uh, with my little sister because I brought home Rio for her birthday back in the day, and uh, I was forever her favorite sister. So now, talking to you, I'm going to win again. <laughs> well, well that's, a, that's a jolly nice present to bring home. I, I wish somebody had brought me an album when I was a kid. That, um... <laughs> Congratulations on the new music. This coincides with the 40th anniversary of your first album, um, and I understand that you were making it and then COVID hit. So tell us about what happened there. Uh, we first started the album in 2018, late in the year, and then we worked through 2019. We tend to work in little blocks of sort of a month here, two weeks there, one week there. We sort of thought we were finished right towards the end of 2019. 2020, we went into the studio a couple of times, and then the pandemic hit, and we basically had to leave the album on ice for nine, ten months. Um, we came back to it early this year in about March and we opened the doors to the vault, uh, went in and thought, okay, what have we got? Um, fortunately we were pretty happy. I think it had, uh, it had actually matured quite nicely over that period. And what was interesting is that we were able to go in and really, um, very directly solve all the, the problems we had. Like time had been quite good to us like that. And did you not find, too, from the notes that I have, that when you went back to listen to what you had recorded thus far, that some of those songs were very applicable to the lockdown and to the pandemic? Yeah, it was um, somewhat of an irony because nearly all the lyrics were completed before the pandemic, um, particularly for the song Invisible, uh, which was written really more about a relationship and, and about not having your voice heard by the other person. But actually, when we came back to it, it had taken on a whole new meaning because of the pandemic where we all felt rather isolated and as if we weren't connected to anything much in the world. And so we, we, we ended up putting out that song first. And I think the, the, there were many other lyrics, too, which sort of spoke to uh, the period that, we, that we've all been enduring. Um, I, I suppose a lot of it is, is when you write about current times and about human nature and about relationships. Uh, there are many different ways to, to read those songs. Future Past, a great a title for the 15th, 15th, 15th studio album. Now, what do you make yeah, of that's that? Ter- that's that's a uh, huge. Uh, it's it's a lot of records because they do take quite a quite a while to make. Um, 
I'm, I'm very proud of them. Uh, look, I, I think when we started out, we didn't think further than a month or two ahead at the most. And so to be here four decades later, still being able to do the things that we all like, still being able to make contemporary music together, uh, still having an audience that have been incredibly loyal to us um, and they're the ones that have kept us around, uh, we're, we're very grateful. And um, we always just try to put out the best stuff we possibly can. And you always do. And we, you know, I want to tell you, while we were waiting to talk to you, Nick, we were listening to some great Duran Duran tunes. And I went, oh, that's my favorite. No, no, well, that's my favorite. No, no, that's my favorite. Two things came to mind. Do you have a favorite, which I know is hard to choose? And I want to talk to you about uh, going on tour. What, what are the, what's the thought on that? Um, well, we do have quite a lot of favorites. I'm glad you have more than one favorite too, but it, it varies from night to night. You know, there are some songs that when you play them live, um, you can't help but smile because you see the reaction that the audience have and you realize that it's lifting people's spirits. And so I'm fond of those songs for that reason. Um, and then of course it's all the new songs because whatever you've just done is fresh and exciting and, and we can't wait to get out and actually play those live. We did do a few shows, um, over the past few weeks. We, we actually were in uh, Austin, Texas. We played at the ACL festival, which was, um, which was, uh, full of electricity. I have to say, uh, it, it was nice to be back in front of an audience and, see people experiencing live performance. Um, there, there were some other great artists on the bill. We saw some of that too, and, and that was exciting. Uh, next year, yes, yeah, very much. We, we, we want to come out on tour. And, and of course, um, Canada and America and Europe are all um, top of our list. So we hope to be seeing you. That's great. Well, we can't wait to, to hear about that. Uh, I have to go back in, in time with you, Nick. Uh, where were you when you first heard a Duran Duran song on the radio? Where were you? Uh, we were in London. Okay. Um, we, were making, we were finishing our first album, and the song Planet Earth, that was our first single, was played on Radio 1 for the first time. like a very strange dream for us because I was I think at the time I was 18 and uh, we we'd been watching Top of the Pops and listening to Radio 1 as kids and being big fans of a lot of other artists uh, people like David Bowie and Roxy Music and uh, Sparks and a lot of uh, dance music um, Giorgio Moroder Donna oh, Summers yeah. I Feel Love oh, yeah and suddenly we were on the radio being played alongside these things. Uh, that moment will, I think, stick with all the band members forever. You, you, it, it's, it's something so special that, that you, of course, you're going to remember. Okay, so many firsts with the band, okay? You're one of the first bands to shoot your videos on film. 
Yes, our very first video, Planet Earth, was actually made on video, but uh, we quickly graduated to film, and we were at 35 millimeter before you could click your fingers. Uh, <laughs> at that time, uh, everybody wanted to make the best-looking things you possibly could, and there were budgets available too. Um, of course, we were probably still paying the bills for those budgets, but, um, but it was fun to make them, and it was an open book then. You could really do whatever you wanted with video because the first time we went to Sri Lanka to make the videos for some of the Rio album, yeah. no one had ever really been on location like that before and, and right. made music videos. So it seemed incredibly new and innovative. It was actually just a, quite a simple idea. Uh, first group to have a video banned by MTV, Girls on Film. That's a first. <laughs> Yes, I, I think um, <laughs> we knew that one was probably not going to be played everywhere. Uh, it was originally made for those sort of nightclubs in the 1980s. That uh, yeah. They were sort of dance clubs and they had video screens above the dance floor. And we liked the idea of them being able to play our 12-inch record and to sync it to the video. Uh -huh. And so we allowed ourselves to make slightly more explicit content than um, <laughs> would have ever been shown on MTV. That's true, that's true. You are the first Bond theme that went to number one. Meeting you with a view to a kill Face to face in secret places Feel the chill Well, that's one we're very proud of, and... and um, Strangely, we, I think we still hold the record for the Bond theme uh, in America and the UK and, and, and around the rest of the world, Canada, of course. Um, yeah, I'm not sure another one has made it everywhere. I think there have been other number ones. I, I, I don't know where the Billie Eilish one got to. I, I actually think that's a really, really great one, my favourite in a long time. Really? Really? That is not one of my favourites. It's so funny. I, 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 yours is my favorite, Nick. It's my favorite. You know what I love? I love oh, well, about. Uh, yeah, I love. I love every everyone in your in, in the band is so different. You really, to me, and I saw the the um, the uh, documentary, the fashion and the uh, the the overall look. It uh, was that driven by you uh, because you were always so well put together, Nick. And so you know, there's that extra thing that you have. Would you say that? Because you're kind of called the controller a little bit. Tell me. <laughs> me to say. But, but it's, uh, of course, I care about um, aesthetics generally. Uh, when, when we formed the band, we, we'd come up through the 1970s where you had artists like David Bowie and Roxy Music yeah. who, who were very image conscious. But then we also had punk rock which was um, an amazingly stylish movement. I think a lot of people think it was anti-style. But in fact, at the very head of it were Vivian Westwood, the designer, and her partner, yeah. um, Malcolm McLaren, at the yes. time, who managed the Sex Pistols. And really everything about it was new and stylish. And so I, I think that those things were deeply ingrained in the band and we were just never going to be the kind of artists that would go on stage wearing jeans and, and a T-shirt. Um, so 
Yes, we, we, we really care about the details with, with, with everything, with the artwork, um, the typefaces on the record, the, the live performance and the presentation of the show, um, obviously the clothes, the videos, uh, that's what Duran Duran's about. It starts with the music and then we can build everything else. Because my next question was, what has driven the band all these years? Um, uh, you know, because bands come and go. Uh, people, members have come and gone, as, as you have experienced. Uh, tell us about, that when, you, when you hear about that, there's a formula, is there a formula, or what is it that connects all of you together? Well, at the center of all of it is the music. The, yeah. There's no question. Uh, we're all big music fans, and we love to create things together. So when we get into a studio... Um, and we plug in that electricity that we create. Uh, we've stuck together and, and we, we know the strength we have as a unit. Uh, also, friendship, uh, respect, um, and curiosity. If you have to keep your curiosity if you're making things, I think. You, we, we always want to stay contemporary. I've got no real interest in starting to sound older. Um, that's that's just us other artists pick a sound and they stick with it hey I'm with you on that one as a 63 year old I hear what you're saying I get it you always want to stay current and up to date without without trying too hard I was really taken I loved your documentary Uh, uh, you know I, I loved when younger people come into your world and say how much they love the, the music uh, that you made, like Mark Ronson. And you work with him on this album, do you not? Uh, we did work with Mark. Mark's just one track on this album we wrote and uh, recorded with him. Uh, he played guitar on it, actually. He says wow. it's the most beautiful guitar part he's ever played on a record. Uh, Mark is an, an extraordinary artist, producer. He's got great taste, great style, but he really just knows how to zero in. It's all about editing for me, um, music and production. You've got to know when to make those decisions and and when to choose the right vocal and when to play the right melody and when to step out and leave the space in the music. And, and Mark is exceptionally good at that. And such a big fan too. Yeah, I, with us, when he first worked with us some 10, 15 years ago now, uh, we were all astounded that he knew everything about all of our tracks, even the more obscure things, things that were on B-sides of 12-inch records. He said, oh, can we do something that's more like that? And we were all thinking, wait a minute, how did that go? Can you just play it to us for a minute? <laughs> uh, and but, him right. being such a big fan, you and your, you know, like you said, start out at 18, big fans of Bowie, Roxy Music. Uh, were you able to, like, were you able to share time with David Bowie uh, you know, with Brian Eno, were, and, and were you kind of in the back of your mind going, oh, I cannot believe I'm speaking with these people? What was that like for you? Well, uh, when I was 14, 15 years old, I had a, a poster of David Bowie on my wall, and I had all the records, and um, it was incredibly inspirational and, um, and important to me. By the time I was... 19, David was one of my friends. So, yes, it was, without doubt, a very strange transition. But we were in a a very different world. We'd suddenly got catapulted from being 
kids who lived in a sort of housing, middle-class housing estate in in um, in Hollywood, Birmingham, to right. uh, hanging out with David Bowie and Andy Warhol. Uh, it was it was it was quite a big change, <laughs> but but actually it was also um, enormously uplifting and um, inspirational, of course, because these people had done so many things that, that we loved. Mm-hmm. And, and to understand a little bit more about them and, and how they'd made these things happen, uh, it, was, it was really great. And both of those people in particular gave us um, fantastic advice. They, they, were, they were nurturing and, uh, and, and helpful. Do you uh, mind sharing what some of that advice was, Nick? Uh, sure. Well, for example, um, Andy Warhol would always say, uh, well, make sure you stick together. Make sure you, you keep the name. Make sure that nobody interferes with what you're doing. Make sure that uh, you get as much press as possible. Uh, you don't have to read it. Just weigh it, um, okay. which always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and David, um, we knew for a number of years, and of course, as an artist, um, I think he, he was the greatest of his generation. He, mm-hmm. he pretty much owned the 1970s musically. And, and so whatever he said about music we were doing or what we were playing or encouraged us or made suggestions about producers or musicians that was always great uh, he'd work with Nile Rogers um, around the mm. same time as we first worked with him 83 84 right. uh, he'd done the album let's dance for David and uh, and he'd had such a good time on that he was the one that was saying you really must do your next album with Nile don't just do a couple of tracks do a whole album so we did do the notorious album with with Nile That was such a great song. Um, and Niall, in that documentary, uh, you know, he loves working with you. And it's so great to see that kind of uh, connection with everybody. It was so great to talk to you today. I, I'm such an honor to meet you. And we are really wanting to come to Canada to go on tour. I don't think anyone's going to sit down while Duran Duran is on stage. Well, that's okay. We'll save the seats. Um, yeah, we, we, we're going there as soon as we can. Uh, yeah. uh, Canada's always been a, a very important part of Duran Duran's uh, touring life, and, and we love the country, and so yeah. as soon as we can be there, we'll be there. Do you remember much music in Canada? Of course. This is the building. Absolutely, yeah. This, th- it this was is... right alongside MTV. Right. This is this is the building. Much music was just across the hall from where I am uh, broadcasting to you right now. So great memories. Yeah. Nick Rhodes, thank you so much. The album is called Future Past, number 15. Uh, and the music keeps coming, and thank goodness for that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Pleasure. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.